The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Well, it is Friday. It's Friday. We made it. End of the week upon us here on Fantasy NBA Today. Hold the fantasy. I don't know how long I'm going to be calling it that. I hope not that long. We know the uh, the draft is uh, pushed back a month. And the finals should take us to early, mid-October. So... I don't know. We don't do much about rookies on this show, and I don't plan on changing that all that much. I might have some guests on that can lecture you about it. I won't even know the right questions to ask. I'll have to look up some player names. I'm not going to do the deep digging on that one, guys. That's going to come from guests. So, in any event, they might have some fantasy thoughts related to it. So, maybe hold the fantasy through, what, week or two after the playoffs end? We can manage. We can manage. So yes, this is Fantasy NBA Today. Hold the fantasy. That's where we're rolling right now. I'm your host, Dan Bespris. Dan Bespris is spelled... It's complicated. Uh, Search for Dan from Hoopball on Google. Dan from Hoopball. That's the best way to find me. You can locate me on Twitter, at Dan Bespris. Follow me there. If you want to interact with me, I would enjoy it. It's uh, low tide these days. Has been since the season shut down in March. So I'm Twitter lonesome. Hit me up. Could be fun. And uh, as I've said before, if you guys want to be a part of our madness over here at Hoopball, you can bug me as well. We are recruiting for DFS, for sales, for betting, whatever you've got. We are looking for it. Although I, I guess if I had to do a, uh, a priority list, we really would love to build out the betting unit a little bit more. Iron, uh, Devin, Troy, myself, Aaron Bruski, we've all been diving into it quite a bit these days, and it's been a lot of fun. But you need, you need horses. We got a few. And we want to build out the whole stable. So a wonderful job by those guys who, as usual, already have a podcast out for today. Ira talked to the inimitable Jason Radowitz at SBR Sports Picks. Um, Brilliant baseball betting mind. Great stuff from Jason Radowitz and Ira this morning. That is already out there. Brent and Will put out an episode of NBA Today yesterday. Corbin was under the weather. So those two guys got together, put out a great show on Billy Donovan, Eric Spolstra, and the chess matches that are the Western and Eastern Conference Finals. And just good stuff keeps rolling out from the folks at HoopBall. I'm guessing we'll probably have a Lakers podcast today as well if I had to to put some money on it, which is a betting man. Probably shouldn't do that. It's in-house. But uh, again, just always good stuff going on over at HoopBall Tweets. That's the one we're going to push right now. Because not everything is fantasy right now. So at Hoopball Tweets, you can get that umbrella, and then you can figure out where everything else is coming from from there. Uh, the betting show is at Hoopball Gaming, and then every other team is basically just Hoopball and then the, the team name. September the 25th, I can't believe it. We're going to be in October next week. This, this year has just been this strange, sleep-deprived, brain-addling blur of attempting to mostly stay safe while also making headway on whatever projects we've got going on, and we're almost in October. It's crazy. The baseball playoffs start next week. Baseball and basketball playoffs going on at the same time. Our pets' heads are falling off. Man, it's weird. 
There may be news coming out of Philadelphia at some point today. We'll see if that breaks while we're on the podcast. But for now, let's just dive right into our normal fare, and that is breaking down what's coming up tonight before we do a recap of the game yesterday. We'll also try to give you a little bit of a uh, heads up across the weekend, and for that reason, maybe we flip things around on today's show since we're going to have one game in each series that we'll preview on today's show. So maybe it's better if we talk about the games in the past going into the games in the future. Honestly, at this point, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to do this the usual way. We'll start with Miami-Boston. We'll work our way through to the Western Conference stuff, but that will just require a little bit more recapping since we haven't talked about the game that happened yesterday yet. Oh, and also, and we'll get to this in a couple of minutes, my bookie, our guys over at my bookie, they have a brand new odds boost going on. Remember when I uh, a couple weeks ago I told you guys about that crazy Chiefs plus fifty four? Basically, it was free money. I put fifty dollars on it. It paid forty five, roughly. So eleven to win ten. That's how sports betting works. And they've got a bunch of stuff like that going on tomorrow, Saturday. And I'll tell you how to open up an account, how to use our promo code, and then how to cash in on all these ridiculous... I mean, I'm going to set an alarm myself to get in on as many of these nearly free money tickets as humanly possible. But I'll tell you guys about that in just a minute. First, I want to talk Boston-Miami. Tonight, Boston. uh, That ballgame is expected to start at some weirdo... Oh, no, it's at uh, at 5.30 here, Pacific time. I, I was reading the wrong number. Um... Boston favored by three with a a total of 213 and a half and continuing to rise on the total side. Remember, that was our our heavy lean in the last ballgame was Miami catching the points because they've simply been the better team throughout the series. And after the long layoff, I had confidence that the Heat would have some good adjustments in their quiver. Adjustment arrows. I guess we should go all the way with the metaphor. And then... In looking at that total of 212 in the in the previous ball game, despite the fact that it was actually up three points from the game on Saturday, which had a total of 209, that one went over by 14. But as we've talked about on this show before, that game from last Saturday, the 19th of September, it ended at 223, but the pace of the game actually said 229. It was an extraordinarily fast-paced playoff game. The Heat just didn't make any shots. They shot 39% in that one. The ball game two days ago on Wednesday finished at 221 with an expected total of 223. So that one was actually a tiny bit under the mark as well. If you want the reasons why, Miami continued to not shoot the ball all that great, but they were fortunate in that they only committed eight turnovers so their expected total and their actual total were almost in lockstep in fact I think they were expected to score 112 and a half and so they were under by a half point meanwhile over on the Boston side they had 19 turnovers and so they were actually expected to score uh, about 111 so they were actually under by two points roughly So that game on Wednesday finished at 221, and it actually could have been more like 222 or 223 based on the pace of the game alone. We still haven't really seen these teams play up to where their numbers indicate they should be. So when I see the number for tonight at 213.5, 
I still have a slight lean to the over. However, and this is where we have to make sure that we keep everything in in line, paces do change. It's not necessarily going to stay the same from game to game. And in fact, if you go way back in this series, they did have a game where the pace was a lot lower. That was the Miami 106-Boston 101 game where the Celtics should have done better. They should have been uh, at like 105-ish, 104-105. So that one went under by a couple of points. But the pace in that one was more like 210. So they have played a game where the pace should have been under the 213.5 that we've seen so far in this one. That said, the only game in the series that's gone under was that ball game. Miami leads the series three games to one. Three out of the four games have gone over and haven't even really been all that close. The first game in the series would have been close had it not gone to overtime, but it went to overtime, and so it didn't end up being all that close. Otherwise, it would have gone over by about three points. So the pace in this series has actually been picking up as we've gone. It's not 100% clear which of the two teams is most responsible for that. I would venture to say probably Boston. They've been offensively better uh, games three and game four. They really weren't, you know, they weren't bad in that game on Wednesday. They managed to trim a deficit down by a few points late. They just, they didn't come out with the right amount of energy in the first half, and it bit them because Miami just sort of, uh, kind of like Lone Star in Spaceballs. He just held the hand out, and and as they were swinging away, Miami was holding them holding them at bay. I don't like to dig into who played well and who played poorly on an individual standpoint when we do these pace breakdowns. If you're looking at the side, yeah, you could you could look at the side and talk about an expectation that maybe Boston does get this game. I don't think the Celtics feel like they're out of this series, but to this point. I haven't really been able to find a reason to bet Boston, and I don't think I'm going to do that now. There have been plenty of reasons to bet Miami, but I think I'd rather leave the side alone in this game because, uh, you know, the big reason that I liked Miami as a side two days ago was because of the long layoff, because they had lost going into the long layoff, and Miami had all the time in the world to make adjustments to slow down the Celtics and just give them different things to think about. And they did that. Miami did what they needed to. They held Boston at bay. If Boston did figure things out, I, it wasn't clear that they ever did. The very high turnovers, I think, a pretty good indicator of that. Now it's on Boston again to make that adjustment, but we haven't really seen them make a great one yet. They made a good one. Took them two games uh, to make the right adjustment to the zone, and that got them to a victory in game three. But then Miami came back and they made their own adjustments and got a big game out of Tyler Hero. Make no mistake, and everybody could say, well, you know, if Tyler Hero didn't go nuts, then uh, Miami wouldn't have won the ball game. Yeah, you know, if Jason Tatum doesn't go nuts in the second half, then Boston isn't close. So there's all these things. There's counterbalancing factors when you, when you try to parse who played well, who played poorly, and how that might flip the other way in the next ball game. You don't know. We don't know. I don't know. Is Tyler Harrell going to play more poorly in this ballgame tonight? Almost definitely, because he had the game of his life on Wednesday. You don't get better than the game of your life, in general, the very next game. Bam Adebayo has been great. Jimmy Butler's been consistent, if unspectacular. Goran Dragic has slowed a bit since the Celtics have started to focus a bit more on him. But the Boston's going to have to figure out a way to to keep Miami from from getting to 112 points. 
You know, they, they've forced them into enough tough shots where they shouldn't be at that mark, but the fouling has been critical. And so now we see, can Boston defend without fouling in this next ballgame? Can they force some turnovers? Miami took extraordinary care of the basketball in that game on Wednesday. If you think those things are true, you could probably convince yourself to take Boston. I personally do not. I haven't seen anything really from the Celtics to make me say this is a team that can cover a spread. Could they win outright? More likely. Just from the percentages, any team is more likely to win than they are to win by a specific amount. But in general, what I'd like what I prefer to do in these games is to look more at the total when the uh when the side is as murky as this one is for me today. The total of 213.5 is probably going to get bet up over the course of the day, if I had to guess. And again, to this point, we really, in the last few games, haven't seen the pace come down. And the more you you dive into this game, the more you realize that neither one of these teams really wants to slow the pace that much. They both want to get as many easy buckets as possible and avoid the other team's set defense. Both teams' set defense has been pretty good in this series, so if the teams can get out and get a few easy ones, well, that's that's all the rage at this point. I do think there is a bit of an their due kind of factor, but again, you know, even if the pace slows down from the last ball game, which was at two twenty three, ish. I know it finished at two twenty one, should have been near two twenty three. Even if it slows by six seven points, that still puts this game over by a little bit. Um, I don't think you have nearly as much wiggle room as we did in the previous ball games. I still lean to the over, but it's a smaller one. I, there were a few bets in that last ball game that I thought were uh, a, a, a bit more interesting. Before we talk about Lakers Nuggets, because I have a lot of thoughts on that series, as you guys know, I follow the Lakers very closely. They've I'm a pragmatic Laker fan, especially on the fantasy side. But now in the playoffs, this is a really great opportunity to bet on things and to deep dive, because there's only two things happening at any moment right now. That's pretty easy to follow. But before we get into that, I want to tell you guys about the odds boost. And, and please don't tune me out. This is not your traditional my bookie read on the podcast. This is something different. This is something special. My bookie, every once in a while, and honest to God, you know, we're going to do a read for my bookie every single day, but you'd almost be better off waiting to open your account uh, when one of these types of things is happening. So if you've already opened an account, you can still do it. So this actually applies to everybody. And I want to say that again in case you guys started to tune me out a little bit. This applies to everyone. Obviously, what MyBookie wants from us, from us at HoopBall, is to bring in new accounts. So if you don't have an account, please listen right now. If you do, also please listen because it will win you money. My job over here is to help you guys win money at a reputable online sports book, and my bookie is that. This is what I'm telling you about. Listen closely. Right now, this is the moment. They're running something called Boosted Saturday, where every single hour from 7 a.m. Pacific till 6 p.m. Pacific, so basically they're going to run it for 12 hours because it'll be the 6 to 7 p.m. Pacific window, Every hour, for 12 hours in a row, they are going to be rotating through what are 
odds-boosted wagers, meaning they have created wagers that are far more likely than 50-50 to go in your favor. They have created odds that favor the better. The better. You, the person putting the money on it. It is similar to Chiefs plus 54. If you guys remember that from a couple weeks ago, it was uh, opening week in the NFL, and my bookie offered... You could put as many as $50, as much as 50 bucks on Chiefs and 54 points. They won that game outright, so it was never, ever in doubt. I looked it up, and I think only six games in the history of football have ended with a larger gap between the two teams than 54 points. So it was a guaranteed winner. It was not free play. I put 50 actual human American dollars on it. And when I logged in later that night, I had $95 in my account, which I could cash out if I wanted to. But I don't because I want to continue to build it. And this is another great way to do it. In addition to the actual wagers we're handicapping, which again, if you can hit over 52.4% as a handicapper, you can slowly build your bankroll. If you want to build your bankroll quickly, this is the way to do it. Let me tell you what they are. Uh, And I'm spending a lot of time on this because in addition to being a promo, this is also just a way for me to tell you guys how you can get money without really doing anything. Free money is a weird concept in this universe. So for instance, the very first wager on Saturday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific time is Kansas State over a half a point for the ball game. Meaning... K-State is playing Oklahoma. If Kansas State scores in the entire ball game, you win your bet. All they have, this is football, by the way, meaning they have 60 minutes to score any points. Of course, it's a max bet of $10 because it's a guaranteed winner. All you have to do is log on and they will effectively give you $10 to log on. That's it. I'm going to be setting an alarm. 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. The next hour, any made field goal in the Florida-Mississippi game is a winner. Anyone, either team, over the entire ball game, 60 minutes, any field goal made wins you 10 bucks. And it goes on like this. There's one of these every single hour. Some of them have slightly lower odds of happening, meaning like, Kansas State scoring a point in their game has probably like a 98-99% chance of happening, right? So you bet $10, you win $10. Uh, The third one at 9 a.m. Pacific time is Mississippi State and LSU over 43.5 combined points, which is a more uh, real-sounding wager, right? It sounds a little bit more like something that... uh, might be um, like a regular bet. But here's a point. Here's your point of reference. The actual listed total on this game is 56 and a half. So they've odds boosted this by taking 56 and a half and dropping it to 43 and a half. They're giving you 13 points on the total. This one has a max bet of $25. This one is not a 99% chance winner. This one's probably more like a 70 to 80% chance winner. But anytime you have an opportunity like that on an on a bet, you take it. 
Anytime there's something that uh, that's higher than 50-50, where the payout is basically 50-50, you take it. The odds are in your favor. May the odds be ever in your favor. Uh, similar thing in the, in the next hour. The uh, This is a first half total of West Virginia and Oklahoma State. First half total of 14 and a half points. Again, if you look at the actual ball game, and let's figure out what the actual total is on that one. Uh, K-State and Oklahoma, The that's the wrong game, not K-State and Oklahoma. We want, um, what I say, West Virginia, Oklahoma State. The actual total for the entire ballgame is 51 and a half. So normally the halftime line would be probably like 25 and a half or 26 and a half. And they've dropped it to 14 and a half for you. Again, giant odds boost. Put 25 bucks on that. That's probably a 70 to 80% chance winner. Take home the prize. Texas, Texas Tech. Anybody scores a touchdown in the whole fourth quarter, you win. Arkansas, over two and a half points. They need to score three points in the whole game to win. And this is going all day long. There's actually an NFL wager in there in the 7 p.m. Eastern uh, time zone. Both teams have to score a point in the ball game. 12 of these. Saturday, all day long at my bookie. All you got to do is make sure you log on during each of those 12-hour increments. Do it on your phone, do it on your computer, whatever it is. Just make sure you get your bets down when you have the opportunity to do so because these are 12 not guaranteed. A lot of them are actually guaranteed winners. Like four or five of these are just ones where you put $10 on it and then you'll end up with $20. You're just going to win. You have to do it. It's foolish. You're leaving money on the table by not doing it. Kansas State scoring a point is a guaranteed winner. Uh, Arkansas scoring three points is probably a guaranteed winner. Packers and Saints scoring at all in their game is a guaranteed winner. Any touchdown in the second half of Troy BYU is pretty much a guaranteed winner. So like four of the 12 are 99 to 100% winners. And then the other eight are like probably fluctuating between 70 and 95% winners. But it doesn't matter. Log on because they're giving you odds in the better's favor. If you bet all 12 of these things throughout the day, you will be up money. And you don't have to do anything else the whole day. So if you have an account at MyBookie, just set your alarms to go off once an hour all day on Saturday. I don't care what you're doing. If you're at an event, you shouldn't be. It's COVID. But whatever it is you're doing, set your alarm. Make these wagers. If you don't have an account, go to MyBookie.ag Open an account with promo code HOOPBALL, so at least they know we sent you. Don't use the promotional money. Don't use it. Why, you're asking. Why, Dan, what should I not use it? Well, under normal circumstances, I would say use the promotional money. You know, put 50 bucks, put 100 bucks in, whatever you're going to do, and take their extra 50 or 100 free play because... You know, we're going we're gonna to bet for a long time. We're going to be betting basketball, football, baseball, whatever, with our guys over at Hoopball Gaming. We're going to be betting for years, more than likely. But if you decline the promotional money and just bet these odds boosts, you can probably take out what you deposited and then just play around with the rest. Like, what if all 12 of those bets on Saturday won? It'd be 10, 20, uh, 45, 70, 80, 90... Uh, 115, 125, 150, 180. No, then that one has a plus 250 marker on it. Uh, you can so you can win around 
minus the VIG probably on a couple of these, you can win around $200 on Saturday by just betting all 12 each hour. So just like make sure you have enough in your account to cover any bets that are still pending in previous football games. And so, you know, put in like 80 bucks. I haven't done the math on this one. Put in like 80 bucks. Make sure that you're able to cover yourself as these games are rumbling along. Over the course of the day, your 80 bucks could very easily turn into 280 if you won all 12 of them. You probably won't. Maybe we'll win like 10 of them. Uh, your 80 turns into, say, 200. Take 80 out at that point. Take out your initial deposit. Play with the remaining 120. House money. House money. So open an account with promo code HoopBall. Do the odds boost on Saturday. And hell, I don't know. I mean, I thought it would be months before they ran a promo like this again after the Chiefs wager, but it happened, what, two and a half, three weeks later? So maybe this is going to happen like once a month. I don't know. I don't know how often this is going to happen, but this is an opportunity to win probably as much as like $200 while never really sweating. Isn't that sweet? Go buy yourself something. Cash out the whole damn thing. I don't care. I mean, don't cash out the whole thing. Let's keep winning money in the NBA, but you get my you get my drift. So again, I, I, I know I spent a lot of time on this. It's part promo because obviously we want you to sign up with our promo code, but it's also part anyone that listens to this podcast can go just get anywhere from probably 80 to $200 for literally just logging on to a website on a Saturday 12 times. That is way more than I've ever been paid to log on to a website before. Lakers Nuggets. Please, please don't ignore me on this odds boost thing. Uh, you know, we all already won $45 together on that Chiefs bet. So let's go get another 80 to 200 I have a rant queued up for Lakers Nuggets, but I'm going to save it a little bit. Because first things first, Lakers are up three games to one. Ha, ha, ha. I know everyone on Twitter has to make the same joke that the Nuggets have them right where they want them. It is kind of funny that the Nuggets are down 3-1 to one again. It's, um, it is a little bit odd. <laughs> it's a little bit odd that they're down the exact same amount again in another series. And they're not going away. Nor should they go away. Because as many times in this game as the Lakers tried to open it up, and lead by 15, 16, 17 points. The Nuggets never really get them, let them get out of arm's length. In fact, there was a critical set of possessions uh, middle of the fourth quarter where the Nuggets had it down to, I think, a one or two point game. Lakers forced a turnover. I think they hit back-to-back three-pointers or maybe a two and then a three, and they were able to sort of push it back up a little bit. But the Nuggets are very much almost as good as the Lakers. They are, like, right behind them. Denver's a good basketball team. They didn't get to this point in the playoffs by accident. They beat Utah, which, honestly, should have been easier for them. That shouldn't have taken seven games, but it took them four games to actually wake up at all. They beat the Clippers in seven. That was pretty good. Like, everybody wants to wants to dunk on Paul George right now, but the Clippers were a really good team this year, that just folded under pressure. The Clippers had every chance in the world to win this series. They were up, remember, 16 and then 19 points in games 5 and 6. They had Denver as far onto the ropes as you can push a team before 
letting them off of the ropes twice. And then in Game 7, the Clippers just had nothing left in the tank. They were exhausted. Kawhi didn't look healthy. That looked like a team that was like, I can't believe we we blew it. We had two chances to close this thing out, and we and we whiffed. And then at that point, Denver was like, they were imbued with the power of a thousand suns, and they just clobbered. If this one gets to seven games, you might see the same thing happen again. That said, there is something a little bit different about a at the Lakers than about the Clippers, and that is LeBron James. Uh, he didn't even have a really he didn't even have that great of a ball game by all accounts but he is he is a leader in a way that I don't know that the clippers have one meaning a vocal leader I love Kawhi Leonard and he might right now be better than LeBron James offensively not nearly as, as strong of a passer or simply as strong as a, of a human being, but he's got all the tools. He's a better shooter than Braun. Uh, defensively, he's better. Like, he could, he might legitimately just be better than LeBron James right now. But for, for the team that he's on, he is not. Meaning, if you, f- if you switched LeBron James and Kawhi Leonard right now, I think you'd probably have the Clippers in the finals against the Lakers, actually, because Kawhi probably would have annihilated James Harden, and by all accounts, the Lakers had an easier path to this point than the Clippers did. Why do I phrase it like that? Well, because if you put Kawhi on the Lakers with this exact same roster, there's other loud leadership on the team where if they faced any adversity, I think they would have come through it. Kawhi on the Clippers, we saw it in that series. There just wasn't really the type of vocal leadership that the team needed to pull through in a hard spot. Paul George is not that guy. He's an immensely talented basketball player. I can't stand the way he's operated in his career, but he's not that guy. He's not a vocal leader. Kawhi is an on-court leader through play kind of guy. But the reason that he's had so much success, in addition to his own uh, precision and efficiency as a killer on the basketball court, is that at his two previous championship locations, he had the guys around him to galvanize the team. He had a Raptors team with leaders. Mark Gasol, leader. Kyle Lowry, the absolute heart and soul of that Raptors team. Almost willed them to the next round this year, even. Go back to the Spurs. I mean, that was Kawhi and like four noted leaders on that team. And there just, there really isn't one on the Clippers if it's not him. And so I don't, I don't see the Lakers melting down the way that we saw the Clippers melt down. Even though, I, to this moment, I still think the Clippers are the more talented team. The Clippers should be your champions this year. Based on sheer talent alone, they should have won the championship. But that's not the way it works, and maybe the bubble is partially to blame. Like, you start to get down, and it just spirals a little bit. There's no home crowd to wake you up. There's, uh, I mean, they, I know they friends and family are 
there now, but they weren't for a while, and so that stuff tends to spiral a little bit. Meanwhile, you have a Lakers team that has shown itself to be, to this point, pretty damn good at bouncing back. They haven't faced a ton of adversity. They've lost one game in each of their first three series now, uh, but Denver is... Denver came and punched him in the mouth, and they have repeatedly in this series, and the Lakers are not toppling the way we kind of saw the, the Clippers topple. Point in case, the Anthony Davis shot. Was it a little bit lucky? Yeah, but that was a game that really could have hit the Lakers in the mouth. Yesterday was a potentially a game that could have hit the Lakers in the mouth. Nuggets were on their usual comeback trail, and the Lakers countered it. From an actual X's and O's standpoint, in yesterday's ballgame, the Lakers were far better on defense than they had been in previous games for two key reasons. Number one, they played Dwight Howard. Finally, they gave him 23 minutes, and they probably should have given him more in the fourth quarter. He didn't... He didn't play late in this game. He only picked up two fouls. He was much better at staying out of foul trouble. For some reason, Lakers really wanted to run Markeith Morris heavy in the fourth quarter, and he fouled out. They wanted to space the floor. I, I, I don't precisely know why they stuck with the Markeith at the four lineup because it wasn't, it wasn't changing things. He was not a positive impact player. The Lakers played well for stretches with him on the floor, but it wasn't because of him. You know, they were, frankly, they were better when Dwight was out there because when they missed a jumper, he went and got it and put it back in the bucket. Morris was not doing that. So I don't know. I didn't agree with that. And the fact that they had success with him on the floor might have been a little bit of a fool's gold moment for the Lakers, but whatever. Uh, They played Dwight Howard. He was great early when the Lakers' shots weren't falling. He was cleaning things up. Defensively, he was active. He led the Lakers in rebounding with 11. And that actually brings us to the second reason I thought the Lakers had success defensively was that they didn't let the Nuggets O-Reeb. They didn't give him second-chance opportunities. In fact, it was all the Lakers going bananas on the glass. They had, what did they have, 25 second-chance points? Lakers would have lost that game by a ton if they weren't cleaning up their misses. But that's also what they needed to do. If you watched how Denver was defending the Lakers, they were bringing, and they continued to do it in this ballgame. I I was finally watching it as it was happening, and I I paused the game and put a few possessions in slow-mo and then caught up during commercial breaks. Nikola Jokic, in particular, was just abandoning his man and hanging out in the paint for 2.9 seconds, jumping out of the paint, and then jumping back in. They were effectively running a zone without actually doing it. There are a bunch of possessions where Lakers' big men were, were took cogging to refs in the middle of the play and pointing at Jokic and saying, look at where he's standing. He's nowhere near me. But apparently, uh, Nicola had the perfect three-second clock in his head to get in and out of the paint a few times and, you know, make of that what you will. I know there's, there's infighting, and that's going to be my... I've got a rant queued up, man. It's ready to go here, and it's it's. I'm going to try to hold off a little bit longer. Um, but Denver's bringing all of their guys down into the paint to try to prevent, basically, LeBron from getting to the rim, force the Lakers to do more stuff on the perimeter, and then everybody's in a scramble drill, right? Because no one's actually near their guy. That allows Dwight Howard to just sneak in behind Jokic because he's not guarding him. Dwight was standing along the baseline 
in basically a dunker spot, some 12, 13, 14 feet away from the rim, pointing at Jokic, saying he's nowhere near me. And then when LeBron starts to drive, Jokic steps up to be part of that wall. If the Lakers shoot, the only man near the rim is Dwight Howard. They probably could have thrown him lobs. They didn't. Not many, at least. I think there was one lobbed AD in yesterday's game. I might be off. There may have been a second one. Uh, but if you're wondering why Dwight was able to get three, four, five offensive rebounds in that ball game, it's because they weren't guarding him. The shot goes up, and by the time the shot went up, Dwight had inside position. He was inside everybody. There was no one on the Nuggets that was between Dwight and the rim on like three or four possessions in a row. And... That's why I don't fully understand why we didn't see more of him in the fourth quarter when the game did start to slow down a little bit. But whatever, it is what it is. A good move certainly to start him, to get him more minutes, to get him in there when Jokic was on the floor, and it paid off. Uh, Also, the Lakers didn't try so hard to stay on their man. When When the play strung out in a way that scrambling around would have created far too many open opportunities. They just switched it. And it gave Denver uh, an advantage. Jamal Murray against a big man or Jokic against a small man. But that also kept the other guys from being a big part of the ballgame. By the way, to his credit, Jeremy Grant played 43 minutes and still had a really nice contest. But you could see the Lakers really didn't want to let those other guys make a big impact. It was going to have to be Murray and Jokic. And it almost was. They almost pulled it off because Jamal Murray was insane in yesterday's ballgame. He made three or four of the most incredible shots I've ever seen in the same ballgame. The English layup, that one's, everyone's going to be showing that, 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 that clip's going to be on for, for years. He also had that falling down, left-footed, left-handed shot. I mean, it was crazy, the shots he was making in yesterday's game. He went 12 for 20. 8 for 8 at the free throw line, 32 points, and there was literally nothing anyone could do. What the Lakers did do by switching more often was keep him from firing from three. Jamal Murray did not have a three-pointer in yesterday's game. So all of his damage came in near the rim and in, frankly, somewhat difficult mid-range. I actually think the Lakers are kind of okay with that. Because if Jamal Murray can hit those shots again three more times, I mean, if that's what it takes for Denver to beat the Lakers, that's a tall order. I mean, what an amazing game he played. What an incredible game. And it wasn't enough. For the Lakers, they got good Rondo. Good Rondo showed up in game one. Bad Rondo showed up in games two and three. He just ill-advised. He had a big shot in this one. He got to the rim a few times. He made smart passes. KCP was good again. I know he's, he's, not all of his shots fell, but he's played a, a critical role in this series. I'm a little surprised we didn't see more Danny Green in yesterday's ball game. He was good, I thought. I know his shot wasn't falling at a great clip, but he's uh, a very useful basketball player, and he just sort of, I don't know, just didn't really fit. They went, um, they went bigger, so that played a role. And Kuz got hot for brief stretches and then got very cold again. And I don't know. I, I, I've had issues with the substitution pattern on the Lakers' side. And um, I don't know. It feels like they're, they're trying things a little bit. This is, like, this is a series where it feels like the Lakers are like, 
damn it, we really we really wish we had Avery Bradley right now. But, you know, not not an excuse. I just mean that's why you're seeing 21 minutes of Green, 20 minutes of Caruso, who nearly fouled out, 21 of Rondo, 19 of Kuz. They're, they're seeing what sticks. They're seeing what sticks. KCP's been one that's stuck in this series so far. Denver side, obviously, they're missing Will Barton. That's not what the, the point of that discussion was. To me, they're not doing as much of the let's see what sticks, although... They had no choice in yesterday's game because uh, Paul Millsap was in early foul trouble. Jokic got in foul trouble in the fourth quarter, but for most of the ball game, he was he was fine. He he had three fouls early in the fourth. He picked up two basically in a row, and they sat him from the eight minute mark to about the five or four and a half mark. I think. Um, I don't know. Did it have a massive impact on the game? Certainly a small one, but he wasn't playing that well in yesterday's game anyway. He was getting pushed around by Dwight Howard. That was the Jamal Murray game, to be sure. Wow, what a game for Murray. Now, from a betting standpoint, uh, the side pushed. Lakers were favored by six. That's how it ended. It went over the total again, which we said we had the over uh, on our strong lean of the day was the over in that ball game. Previous game ended at 220, mostly because, and by the way, the total on game three, where the Lakers lost, was 214.5. The total yesterday was actually lower at 213.5. I think there was an expectation that the pace would slow, which may, may be true. You know, it, you know, that's the type of thing that could happen. But neither team has shown the ability to slow down the other just from an efficiency standpoint, right? Like, this is a series where the pace might say one thing, but the teams pretty consistently are clearing their bar. Or at least getting almost right on it. Uh, let's go all the way back. Game one of this series was the 18th. Denver was tired. Lakers just ran it down their throats. That ball game went way over the mark. And it wasn't close. Lakers had an expected, or Nuggets had an expected total of 113. They went over by one. Lakers had an expected total of about 113. Also, they went over by 13, thanks to low turnovers, high foul shots, and high field goal percent. So uh, that one should have been at about 226. It ended at 240. Whatever. You can kind of throw that one out a little bit because of garbage time. Game two, the Lakers win at 105-103. That ball game probably should have been higher scoring than it was, but for 42 combined turnovers. Remember, the Lakers should have been around 115 in that ballgame, but the high turnovers drove them under by 10. Also, poor shooting wasn't all that great in that game. Denver, on the other side, uh, should have been around 110, and they went under by about 7. So that one should have been at about 223, but didn't quite get there because, again, other weird little factors. The only time, and, and let's let's quickly look at Game 3 and Game 4 before we make any assessments on this thing. Game 3 ended at 220, where uh, the Nuggets were, uh, Lakers were expected to be at 110. They were under by 4. The Nuggets were uh, expected to be at 108 or 109. They went over by five or six, so that one was pretty damn close to the actual expected total, which I just said out loud and then promptly forgot. Lakers won 10, Nuggets at 105 and a half, so that should be about 220. Did I get that right? 
109? No, 105. So the Nuggets went over by 9. Uh, now I'm getting all my numbers mishmashed here. So Lakers were under by 4. Yeah, okay. So that one should have been at about uh, 216. So it, did, uh, it would have still barely gone over, but I, I it, it went over by more than that because, you know, Nuggets shot the ball very well. And then the following game, and this is probably why the total was adjusted down, because the previous one was expected to be about 216. It went over because of efficiency. So they were like, all right, well, the series is probably going to slow the games a tiny bit. This next one maybe should be more like 212, and then we'll let people bet it up and whatever they want to do. The reason that we've stuck with over leans in this series is because generally the teams have made their defensive adjustments. You know, Lakers threw a gimmicky zone defense in there in in Game 3. They used it very briefly in Game 4. Denver beat it quickly, and the Lakers got out of it just as fast as they went in. It was kind of like, okay, they figured this out. Let's do something else. Lakers are going to play the Nuggets pretty close to straight up. They're going to switch. They're going to try to limit the other guys. They're going to try to limit scrambling. I thought that was a really smart change they made for yesterday's ballgame. They abandoned what they were trying to do in Game 3, which was to catch up and and eliminate those mismatches, but it just left too many guys open cutting to the rim. This way, the other three guys not involved in the pick and roll can pretty much stick to their dudes. Worry about defensive rebounding, make sure they don't get wide open looks at a three. You can sort of help down a little bit on drives if you have to, but you're generally pretty close to your man. Overall, that worked better. I know the Nuggets still shot 50.5%, but if you... in Like... Michael Porter Jr., almost all of his shots were contested. He knocked them down. Jamal Murray, a ton of his shots were contested. He knocked them down. The the shot quality for Denver in this game was not nearly as good as the shot quality in Game 3. How about pace? Uh, well, the Lakers only turned the ball over nine times, so that was really helpful for their case. Uh, you can put that on top of 26 and a half. They should, be a, they should have been around 106 and a half, but they far exceeded that number because of, one, uh, high free throws, two, low turnovers, and then they shot the ball fine, well enough. Uh, so the Lakers, again, overperformed their mark. They should have been at 106 and a half, so they overperformed by quite a bit. On the Nuggets side, uh, their turnovers were actually relatively low also. Um... But they shot the ball well. So they overperformed their mark in addition. And I don't think it's fluky. That is, the Nuggets actually should have ended up right around 100 based on their possessions in this ballgame. Lakers' offensive rebounding is what bought them all those extra possessions and all those extra points. This one finished at 222, even though the expected pace was more like 206-207. So this was a game that without the teams overachieving, low turnovers, good foul shooting, good field goal percent, neither team had a bad field goal percent. Nuggets had a good one. Lakers had a a fair, relatively average field goal percent. And then the Lakers getting a ton of putbacks. That obviously had a, a, the number of possessions they had in this ballgame was something like nine or 10 more than the Nuggets when all was said and done. That was basically your difference in the ballgame. That's why the Lakers were able to score six additional points, even though the Nuggets were, by all accounts, more efficient, better field goal, and better free throw percent than the Lakers. So as you look towards the Saturday game, 
The line is out already. Lakers by six again, total at 214.5. They did adjust it up a little bit after this last 222 result. That's where you start to think, okay, what is the change that occurs between game four and game five? Defensively, I don't think the Lakers make too many adjustments. I think you'll see Dwight Howard to start the ball game. If he gets into foul trouble, they probably go to JaVale McGee because I think they want a big dude on Jokic at least at the beginning of the game. They want someone out there. It's more important for them to have Dwight, though, because of his offensive rebounding ability, how strong he is at making space for himself under the rim. For the Nuggets... They might change things up a tiny bit on defense if only to keep the Lakers off the offensive glass because the way they were running things, by creating that wall, by basically abandoning their guy, is the Lakers were able to slide guys in and get offensive rebounds because it functioned almost like a zone. There was nobody there to immediately box them out. And if Denver does that, we see what the Lakers' adjustment might be. You know, the wall was pretty good for keeping the Lakers from shooting a super high field goal percent. And if they eliminate those second chance points, the Lakers expected total goes down precipitously. Like there's there's no way the Lakers score 114 if they're not cleaning the glass. The Denver doesn't score 108 if Jamal Murray's not making crazy difficult shots. I actually lean to the under on Saturday's game. I think that one's going to be more like uh, 105-100, if I had to guess. Someone's going to miss. Denver's going to get better rebounds. That's going to that's gonna shorten, or that's going to lower the number of total possessions in the ballgame. Lakers won't have those extra 8-9. You probably see more turnovers. That was just a very low turnover game. You know, deflected balls were ending up back in the hands of the team that had them on offense. It didn't create those runouts, but it also just meant, you know, no no real turnovers, so teams were getting their shots. It wasn't going back and forth. Um, you're going to get runouts every once in a while because the Lakers desperately want to do it, but Denver, you can see, is making a concerted effort to try to limit that. I think this next ball game finally goes under. I really do. You know, Denver's going to be playing with a certain fire. There's going to be... It's going to be a knock them down, drag them out, beat them up kind of thing. And then, of course, it's going to come down to how the officials are calling the ballgame as well. And that's the last thing I want to talk about on today's podcast. Please, please, if you're a fan, yell whatever you want on the internet. If you're a Nuggets fan, you can complain. Lakers shot more free throws than the Nuggets in yesterday's game. If you're a Laker fan, you could complain about the previous two games where the Nuggets had way more free throws than the Lakers. 33-19 to in the AD game-winner game. Almost doubled them up in that one. 29-27 in the next one. Free throw, by the way, at the end of all four games right now, dead heat. Teams have shot the exact same number. If you want to complain, complain. You're a fan. You can, you can yell whatever you want at the TV, at the internet. But if you are a credentialed member of the media, shut up about that stuff. Stop it. Stop. If you're making a big deal, and this, like, I feel like Skip Bayless did this. If you're making a big deal about the Lakers talking to the league about foul shots, you haven't been paying attention for 25 years. 
Every team does this in the playoffs. Someone just leaked it about the Lakers because they're the Lakers, because it's LeBron, because it's a story. What are the Nuggets going to do? Complain that they're not getting enough free throws in this series? They have the exact same number as the Lakers now. They had outshot them prior to this game by 12. And that first game, Denver was completely exhausted. And the Lakers outshot them by nine free throws. But the middle two games, Denver had way more free throws than the Lakers. They got 19 more. So if you're a member of the media and you don't... Like, do you not remember Phil Jackson... With the Bulls, with the Lakers, he held press conferences to talk about all the things he wanted done differently from the officials in the middle of the playoffs. He just took ten, fifteen thousand dollars fines because he wanted to lobby publicly. He wanted everyone to know what his issue was because he wanted everybody watching for that exact issue. So then Michael Malone says, oh, you know, we're going to go through the right league channels to get some more foul shots. Oh, of course you are, Michael. Your staff has almost definitely been doing that every game, just like the Clippers staff did and the Lakers staff did and the Rockets staff did. You don't think the Rockets are submitting stuff to the league between every ball game? What do we know about the Rockets at this point in our existence? They will talk to the league about everything. So please, if you're a fan... Yell whatever you want. This rant is for fellow members of the NBA coverage team. Stop it. Stop acting like anything weird is going on. This is the same stuff that happens every year. Your memory is obliterated by drug use or something. I don't know what's going on. I've had an infant this year, and I can still remember better, apparently. This happens every year. So please, fellow members of the media, please shut up about it. This is not directed at any one person, by the way. And I know how uh, people who cover the NBA always want to make sure that things are about them. This is not about you. If you're listening and you're like, is this about me? No, probably not. This is about, at large, the fact that it was a story that a team complained about officiating. Ugh! That's the dumbest story ever. It takes away from what was awesome basketball. Jamal Murray did some of the most incredible things that I have ever seen. He got, by the way, eight free throws in that ball game. And all anyone can talk about is the one time he got fouled and it didn't get called. There are probably 30 of those that happened between the two teams in every ball game. So please stop. Nothing is rigged. If it was rigged, the Lakers and the Clippers would be playing each other. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. And the Bucks would still be in it. Because they have Giannis. It doesn't work that way. Lobbying happens. Get out of here. Denver's doing it right now, and they should be. This is like when... Uh, this is like when teams refuse to use analytics... This is when teams refuse to use certain stats that are available to them. You, these, these staffs are huge. They use every tool at their disposal. After every freaking playoff game, every team is making uh, a clip show of the things that they wanted. Rant over. Have a great weekend, everybody. We're back on Monday. We'll break some more stuff down. We'll see if these series are still going at that point. If not...
Well, hell, I guess we'll get ready for the finals. I'm Dan Vespers. This is Fantasy NBA Today. Um, go get your odds boost, man. I, I'm going to put it on Twitter 500 times today and first thing Saturday morning, and we'll do it all day. You can sign up all day Saturday. If you missed the first one, it doesn't matter. You can do the last 11. Come make some money with me. Come make, make 80 bucks. Come make 200 bucks. I don't know how it's going to go, but we're going to make money, and we're not going to have to think about it. We'll keep betting on the NBA. That's money we're going to make where we're going to think about it, but it's odds boost. God, I love it. I love free cash on trees. Fantasy NBA Today, hold the fantasy. Dan Baspers, at Dan Baspers on Twitter. Hit me up if you want to join our team uh, again. I'm going to do that one again. And uh, have a lovely weekend. So long. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.